Good morning, church. Hello. Good morning. Hello. Hello. I won't ask how you're doing because I wouldn't hear the answers, but I hope you're doing well. We're going to start off this morning with a hymn, slightly more upbeat than normal. Um, and it's basically, you know, it's Amazing Grace. And it's just where I'm at, resting in this place of how great and amazing God's grace is. So if you'd like to make yourselves comfortable for worshipping, we're going to get into it.
Lord, we thank You for Your amazing grace. Lord, that has won everything. Thank You that we can stand this morning and praise You. Thank You because of that, that we can speak out to the nations, be free.
sound of the nations worshiping. And hear the sound of sons and daughters singing. We will go. this morning in Jesus name that we can worship you we can celebrate you we can enjoy one another's company and we can spur one another on in the things of the kingdom this morning Holy Spirit you are most welcome in this place and I thank you that you came in the room when we did we open our hearts to what you'd like to do with us this morning what you'd like to say we also open our hearts and our mouths to you this morning as we express worship and praise to the King of Kings, you, the Lord of Lords. Thank you that we can gather in such freedom. In Jesus' name, amen. Welcome. Great to see you today. How are you doing? Very good. Very good. You're looking good, I must say. Best looking church I've seen since last week. Why don't you say hello to a few people as you take a seat. Three or four, introduce yourselves, greet them. If you're visiting with us today, welcome. It's great to have you here. At the end of the meeting, can I encourage you, there's a table at the back of the auditorium. There'll be someone there and there's some white bags with information and bits and pieces about who we are. We'd love to get to know you a little better. It's great to have you with us today. 
Well, I'm not sure what happened. Jan and I were away for one week and someone flicked the winter switch. So I left in a t-shirt. I've got to wear a jacket when I come back. That's a bit rough. But there you go. Well, who's had a birthday or an anniversary or got engaged in the last week? Anybody? Any birthdays? Happy birthday. Birthday? Oh, you best come. How many years? 18. Congratulations. Lots of birthdays. Happy birthday. Happy birthday. Hey, is it your birthday today, Mona? Happy birthday. Very good. Is it anniversary for you, Mabel, and God help? How many years? 23. Congratulations. Isn't that good? 23 and 18. Have you got your chocolate yet? 18 years deserves chocolates. Well, church, can we stand up on our feet and let's declare God's blessing over all these wonderful people. Here we go. Father, we thank you for your family. We declare blessing, health, favour, prosperity, purpose and protection over them this year. Activate your love and goodness through each one. In Jesus' name, amen. Happy birthday. Happy anniversaries. Wonderful. Well, it is May, and this month we're focusing in on our global mandate. And uh, I want to read you what our global mandate is, just so you know. It is this, activating community transformation by making disciples and establishing and strengthening churches based on a global apostolic and prophetic mandate to extend his kingdom as directed by the Holy Spirit. And so we've got some great things planned this month as we look at what we're doing uh, to touch the globe as a church. And we're doing some really cool things. There's some fantastic things happening. Today, we have Grant McAllister with us all the way from Hong Kong. It is wonderful to have Grant with us and and I'll talk more about that shortly. But welcome, Grant. It's awesome to have you here. Let me just tell you a couple of things we've got. Actually, we've got a whole lot of things happening. So I'm probably going to give you information overload. Just make sure you um, look at the e-news. All the information will be in the e-news. And if you don't get the e-news, just sign up at the hub on the way out, and then you'll get sent the e-news. It's kind of simple, like that. So this week starting, we have our School of Leadership Tuesday night, 6 p.m. to 7.20. There is no cost for you, just your time. So there is cost, it's your time. But there is no financial cost. Just want to see you there. We need more leaders. We need leaders in the church. We need leaders in the marketplace. We need leaders in the community. And um, that doesn't happen by itself. You've got to be intentional in that. And so I'm wondering, as I look around the room this morning, what um, community leaders what marketplace leaders, what church leaders we have sitting amongst us right now, and all you need to do is put yourself in an environment where someone starts to pull something out of you. This will be a great opportunity. We've got three courses throughout the year. This is the first one, Tuesday night for four weeks. So 6, 20, uh, 6 to 7.20, you bring your own dinner, 
All you've got to do is fill your name on so we know how many people are coming. And this first course is about personal transformation and we'll be touching things around how you're wired, how you best connect with God, how to excel in your relationship with God because if you're not well connected to Jesus, it's pretty hard to have an effective leadership journey for kingdom purpose anyway. Uh, what else have we got? We've got the School of the Spirit coming up. I'm just putting that on your radar. That's in June. We have John Kens and Daz Chittle going to be with us this year. And uh, that's going to be a great weekend. There's limited numbers on that. So that is June the, can you help me, Jen? The 23rd, June the 23rd. That is coming up. Um, that's going to be very, very significant this year, I believe. So that's School of the Spirit. This is probably the most important one for you right now, though. Next Sunday is Mother's Day. That's important for all you blokes that haven't thought about it yet. But it's also important because we're doing a combined meeting. So 10 a.m. only next Sunday, okay? 10 a.m. only. Don't come at, if you come at 10, 10.40 or 10.45 when we start or 10.30 or whenever it is, you'll be late. So 10 a.m. next week. What else have I got? We've got healing rooms down here this Saturday coming. Ask the Hub if you need some information about that. Around our global mandate this Wednesday night coming, we've got Grant McAllister, and he's going to be speaking to us about how we as Hamiltonians, start again, how we as Hamiltonian Christians can reach out to our Muslim neighbours. Also on the 17th of May, we have the Tear Fund Anti-Trafficking Workshop. So there's heaps happening. So I advise that you get the e-news and have a look on there. Well, kids, it is time. Thank you, leaders. Can we give the leaders a massive big hand, eh? Thank you, leaders. We appreciate you. You are wonderful. just reminded me that also on the 27th, which is a couple of weeks, we've got a men's breakfast Saturday, 7am down here. Make sure you get one of these slips on the way out. There is a lot happening this month, so you're going to have to be sharp. It's not as bad. I've got a friend who leads a church in Auckland. They had 13 different venues in 13 different weeks. That's tough, just working out what's going on by having the e-news. Piece of cake, you guys are up to it. So make sure you get the e-news. Good? Well, we have the great privilege this morning of celebrating communion together. And uh, we are very privileged to have Dominique going to lead us wherever else are you, Dominique. Here she is. Here she comes. Dominique heads up the pastoral care team, and she's doing a phenomenal job there. Thrilled to have you this morning. Yeah, give her a big hand as she comes. Good morning. How's everybody? You're all sounding a little bit quiet. I think you just need to make a little bit of noise. We're in the house of God. Best place to be. Um, well, I'm very excited to um, share communion this morning. And um, I was really praying about it and saying, God, just put some words of wisdom in me. Let this be your word. And I just got more and more and more excited. So I want you to be excited with me. Because... Um, yeah, what is communion? And I just thought, Jesus died on the cross for you and for me. 
that is amazing. I want you to turn to someone and say, He died on the cross for you and for me. Say it. He died on the cross for you and for me. And how many people out there don't know this? You know, in John 3, 16, it says, For God loved the world so much that He gave His only Son so that everyone that believes in Him will not perish but have eternal life. And I mean, it's such a familiar verse. We're all so familiar with it. But do we really take it to the next step? Um, do we just sit here and take communion because it's on the run sheet? And the fantastic host team, look at that beautiful host team out there, is handing out the emblems. Are we just doing it because somebody's telling us to do it? Or are we living it? Are we going out there and feeling it? Are we sharing it? It can't just be a thing that we're doing because we've been told to do so. In Mark 3, 16, it says, And then the Lord told them, Go into the world and preach the good news to everyone. Every single one. Not only Jan. Not only Sheridan. Not only Lance. Not only Owen. Not our beautiful missionaries all over the world. Every single one of us. That includes you. And it includes me. It includes you and you and you and you and everybody out there. And it's up to us to take that message to them. So I want you to step out on faith. Pray to God. Ask Him, God, show me those people around me. Show me those people that need your love, that needs your good message. It could be anywhere. I mean, I'm out and about so much now. I tell you, life after the mall is just amazing. I was a mall rat for 10 years. And um, it's just incredible. And once you open your eyes and you open your heart, and God just shows you those people to love on, to care for, to share His message for, I tell you, it fills your tank right up. You think you're giving out, but you've been filled right up again. And it's just a small little sacrifice for God that the biggest sacrifice of all. He gave His only Son to die for us. His only, only Son. If you have only one Son, will you sacrifice Him? No, I wouldn't. I've got two. And I don't even want to sacrifice one of them. But God gave us His only Son to die for us. But the good news is He's got resurrected. And he lives again, and we can share in that. So in 1 Corinthians eleven twenty six, it says, For every time you eat this bread and drink this cup, you encourage the Lord's death until he comes again. So until he comes again, it's up to you and up to me to go out there and share this word. And not just take the cup and the bread and say, I'm doing this because I've been told to do so. But I'm doing it because Jesus died for me. So now I say, thank you, Father, for this bread of life given to us. May we know the riches of your goodness. And for the blood of Christ shed for us. May we know the peace and his forgiveness. And make us bold and courageous to share your good news and love with each other every day. And I just want to end it by saying, wherever Whenever, be like Jesus.
fantastic. I was talking to some elderly people the other day, and they were old. They were a lot older than Ray. And and <coughs> and um, they were waiting at a bus stop to, to go somewhere, and they, they said to me, what's this senior link thing? I said, what do you mean, what's senior link? They go, what's this senior link thing? You, I, you guys are doing the senior link thing. And I, so I told them, senior link's one of the, the ministries that runs out of community link. That's all about helping the elderly and assisting elderly in the community. And um, I said, what do you ask? And they go, we were waiting at a bus stop and this car pulls up with senior link on it and it's this lady, Dominique, and she says, can I give you a ride somewhere in town? Where do you need to go? I'll give you a ride. I thought, fantastic. That's wherever, whenever, isn't it? Just out of the blue. Hamilton Bus Company won't be happy, but we are. We are. Very good. Well, we're going to celebrate, continue to celebrate Jesus, worship Jesus this morning. I encourage you, if you want to come out, fill up the space, get a bit of space. You don't have to stand behind the seats. Thanks, team. Breath gave me life. You rose in triumph and gave us freedom. True love in your eyes. You were broken, but still you saw my life. I'm overwhelmed that you gave your.
He is constant and reigns forever. Lord, that when we are not, you are good. Lord, that you qualify, Lord, that you qualify us despite what we come with. Lord, you are the one who makes our words true because in you we have life and without you we don't.
questions for me are when and where. Where is Jesus that we're running to? And we know that our God is a God who goes. So it's not enough to stand here and say, I'm running to your arms because he's not just here. If we're running to the arms of Jesus, he's out there. He's out there looking for people. Are we running to his arms there? And when? Today? tomorrow are we planning to run to his arms or are we are we willing to meet Jesus where he is both here and there it's kind of confronting yeah but we remember back at the beginning of the song it says you are good when I'm not so from that we have so much to go with and we know that he's there already so there should be no fear in what we run to can we just sing that chorus again I'm running to your arms I'm running to your arms the riches of your love will always be enough nothing compares to your 
love that line where it says about Jesus, Jesus. Why don't you say the word Jesus together? On three. One, two, three. Sounds with a little more conviction. One, two, three. Jesus. You know the power in the name of all creation, the heavens, everything is subject to the power of the name of Jesus. Incredible power. Incredible power in His name. And you and I have access to that power. We have access to Him. Jesus. Incredible when you think about it. He says, no, wherever you are, whenever you're there, talk to people about me. Show people me. Express my power. Heal the sick. Meet the needs. Incredible opportunity for us. This church. Sometimes I think we just need to get over the chicken line a bit more. I don't know why we get so scared about things. We just need to step over there and step into this place of faith. Open our mouths, have a conversation. It's good. Well, it's fantastic to have Grant with us today. Grant and Vicky went to China about 21 years ago. I think that's what we worked out, 21 years ago. And they were sent out from this church. This is their home church. I had the privilege of first visiting Grant and Vicky and Isaac and Elizabeth in China around about 15 years ago down in Kunming when they were down in the south. And I've had the opportunity to go back a number of times since. And it is amazing what God is doing in that country. Incredible. And uh, it's amazing that we've had the opportunity to walk with Grant and Vicky and to support them in what they're doing. They do the hard work, they're there. But we get to support them in what they're doing and uh, be on the journey with them as well. And um, it really has been an honour to, to get to know them as friends over the years. And, and uh, Why don't you all take a seat, because I just remembered actually I've got to play a video before I get Grant up. So we'll watch the video and then Grant can come. happening in China. Let me tell you a story just quickly. I was in China a couple of weeks ago and uh, I was invited to go across um, by some um, pastors in Australia to have a look at some NGOs that they're involved with and they thought they could be a great opportunity for us as a church. So 
Um, I went across and had a look, and the NGOs, non-government organisations, could be a great opportunity for us as a church. It's um, above ground. The opportunity there is primarily they've got orphanages, and the orphanages are for special needs children, orphans, and HIV kids. And so there's tremendous opportunity there for us. I, I, I need to um, get my numbers right, but one of the orphanages over there, if they've had, let me just say, a thousand kids go through the orphanage, 900 of them have been adopted, which is an amazing, amazing uh, statistic. Um, that's before the age of six. Then others, they can help in other orphanages and even going through to uh, a farm project now to help them develop skills for life. It's, it's amazing what's happening. But all that's on the top. Underneath, the people that are running the orphanages are the church leaders, local church leaders, underground church leaders. And um, they, they're seeing some great things happen over there in their churches. But um, it's amazing that you've got all this um, expression of love on the top, but underneath, it's all about the kingdom of God. It's growing, extending the kingdom of God. Anyway, I, um, I met a pastor over there, and he is a But Grant, it is fantastic to have you with us. Love being on the journey with you, and Vicky, and the kids. Why don't you come make yourself at home? How about giving him a big hand as he comes? Thank you, Dave. Well, good morning. It's great to be with you again. And um, yeah, Vicky sends her greetings. So she's in Hong Kong. Uh, just me. I've been here a couple of weeks. Uh, I was doing some stuff in Auckland and then, then down here. Um, but she says, hi, she'd like to be with you, but uh, it's not possible. She needs to work. She works in a school there, which provides our visa. So it's a great blessing. And so we've been based in Hong Kong for the last year, and I travel in and out of China. And um, it, it's, it works really well for us. And so I'm often on, on the move, going in and out, uh, doing the things you see up on the, on the screen there, the church planning stuff. Um, our son, uh, for those of you who remember our kids, they're very little, they've all uh, grown up now, well, grown up, they're, they're old. Our son's in the US, he's in Boston, studying at a university there, and my daughter, she is about to be married, middle of this year, so it's come around quick, and she's marrying a nice guy from Singapore, so that'll be fun, and then she'll live in Malaysia. So we're a family that is kind of scattered all around the place, and occasionally we get together. <laughs> Thank you so much for your support and prayer. I was saying this morning, the prayer really makes a difference. Um, we have a prayer group that meets on a Monday. Uh, Colin and Julie there, um, uh, part, a part of that, head that up. And um, I want to encourage you, if you want to know how to actively get involved in helping support missionaries, prayer is, is really a key. We've faced lots and lots of very uh, difficult situations, uh, particularly over the last few years. Um, both personal and uh, ministry-wise, but it's prayer that's really made the difference. And so we will send prayer requests, or um, I get on Skype uh, when I can, once a month, and share. And God really answers the prayers that, that people pray. And um, so I want to encourage you, it really does make a difference. Um, the people that we're planting churches amongst in southwest China, these folks have never heard the gospel before. And so, as you can imagine, Satan's had control over these areas for centuries, literally literally centuries, no Christians. And so when we take the gospel there, there's obviously going to be a lot of opposition. Satan just doesn't allow people to wander in 
and start preaching the gospel. And so a lot of prayer needs to happen behind that. So thank you for those who pray and for those who are wondering how can I get involved, I want to say right up front that uh, prayer is a real key. About uh, 20 years ago, um, I was in, we are in Hong Kong. Um, so we were in China, but travel out to Hong Kong. We'd come out regularly for doctor's visits and things like that because where we were living, the medical care wasn't very good. The hospitals weren't good. So we got to Hong Kong. And um, it was just myself and uh, Isaac and Elizabeth, my children, when they were very little. And we were in a large shopping mall. And uh, I thought, okay, we'll go get some KFC. And so we went in to get KFC, and uh, we sat right up the front table by the counter. And I said to the kids, okay, now you sit there. I'm going to go up and get some food. Don't move. Okay, so I go up. I literally take about three steps, turn around, and my daughter Elizabeth is gone. She was uh, maybe, I don't know, two years old maybe. Well, my heart, I just panicked. So I said to my son Isaac, where, where's she gone? Where, do you know? And, of course, he's oblivious. You know, he, he doesn't know where, where she's gone. Well, she would just taken off out the door and just ran out into this mall with thousands of people, absolutely crowded. If you've been to Hong Kong, it's a very busy place. So I grabbed Isaac, and I went out, and I started looking for her. And I was so anxious. I don't know if you've ever lost a child, but it's a terrible feeling. So anxious. And I was thinking in my mind, how am I going to tell Vicky I've lost Elizabeth? This is a terrible thing. And I was looking. I was just frantic. I was looking. Have you seen this little girl? Have you seen this little girl? Have you seen this little girl? And no one had seen her. And anyway, in the distance, I saw an elderly lady come walking towards me carrying my daughter. And Elizabeth had just taken off. She'd gone running off. But my heart was so relieved that she'd been found and that someone had brought her, brought her home, so to speak, brought her to me. And this morning, I want us to look at one of the parables that Jesus talked about. He talked about the parable of the lost sheep. Now, he talks about, in that um, context there, there's the lost sheep, the lost coin, and the lost son. They each have a slightly different focus, but what I want us to look at this morning is the lost sheep. And a couple of things is, one, how do sheep get lost? I think that's an interesting question. How do they get lost? And what's the shepherd like in this picture here? What do we see the shepherd like? Are there any sheep farmers here this morning? No sheep farmers? Yeah, I was going to say, I can say whatever I was on in the 9 o'clock service, there's a sheep farmer, so I was like, uh-oh, I hope I got this right. So there's no sheep farmers, so that's good. Okay. Lost sheep, how do they get lost? And what is the shepherd like who goes and looks for them? And of course, being global mandate, what's our part in working with the shepherd to find the lost sheep? So if you've got your Bible, I'd like us to turn to Luke chapter 15, verse 1 to 7. So Luke, Luke 15, 1 to 7. And we see the context here in verse 1 and 2. The Pharisees were grumbling and complaining that Jesus was hanging out with these sinners, that he was even eating with them. In an Eastern culture, that's very significant. I know in China, when you have a meal with someone in their home, uh, it's a big thing. Um, they welcome you in. You're a real guest. And so the Pharisees were complaining about this. So it begins in verse 1 of chapter Luke 15. It says, Now the tax collectors and sinners were all gathering around to hear him. But the Pharisees and the teachers of the law muttered, this man welcomes sinners and eats with them. Then Jesus told them this parable. Suppose one of you has a hundred sheep and loses one of them. Does he not leave the ninety-nine in the open country 
and go after the lost sheep until he finds it. And when he finds it, he joyfully puts it on his shoulders and goes home. Then he calls his friends and neighbors together and says, Rejoice with me. I have found my lost sheep. I tell you that in the same way there will be more rejoicing in heaven over one sinner who repents than over 99 righteous people who do not need to repent. Why don't we take a moment to pray. Lord, we thank you that you, Jesus, are the good shepherd. Thank you that you have gone looking for us. Thank you that once upon a time we too were lost sheep, but uh, we've been found. Thank you, Lord, you as the good shepherd went looking for us. And as we read this passage in a fresh way this morning, we pray that you'd open our eyes. Lord, speak to our hearts. Help us to see your heart for the lost. And Lord, especially our part that we play in that, um, whether it be in our family or with our, fa- or with our friends, our neighbours. Um, Lord, open our eyes in, in a new way. We pray to the lost around us, we ask in Jesus' name. Amen. Okay, now in China, um, who's been to China? Yeah, quite a few people, okay. Um, in China, uh, often the, at least where we've, we've lived, uh, you have a shepherd and you just have a small group of sheep, maybe 10 to 20 people. So we're not talking about big sheep stations like down in the um, South Island. There's just a handful of, of sheep, well, handful, but more, 10 to 20. And often you will see the shepherd walking, and the sheep will following, be following behind. Even on a very, very busy road, just off to the side, wherever there's a bit of grass, there's often these sheep, and the shepherd is just sitting nearby. And, I, and often when I see that, I think a lot of, of the picture we see in biblical times of the shepherd and his sheep. And there's often this idea of a very close relationship. And so I was thinking recently, I was thinking, well, how do sheep get lost? Okay, um, I mean, we live in New Zealand, plenty of sheep, but how do sheep get lost? And I thought, well, I'll do some reading. I'm, I'm, I'm not a farmer by any background, no stretch of the imagination. But so I thought, okay, well, I better do some reading about how sheep get lost. And there seem to be three ways, at least that the, this what I read, that sheep can get lost. The first one is that they want autonomy. So I guess they just want to be on their own. They're tired of being with all the other sheep, I don't know. But they want autonomy. They want to be on their own. The second one is a wild animal or a predator will take them. And um, I think in places where we've lived in China, out in the countryside, there's a lot of predators around, and often they can be taken. So um, a wolf or some other animal um, will steal the sheep. Or even thief will come and steal the sheep. And the third one is that they wander off without realizing. So they can be nibbling away on grass, then slowly they get separated from the rest of all the other sheep, and they find themselves lost, and they don't know what to do about it. And I was thinking a bit about that when it relates to people, and how often that's symbolic of us as people. You know, the Bible talks a lot about people being sheep. And I think it's true, some of us just want autonomy. We're just like, oh, no, I just want to do my own thing. Um, Others, um, for whatever reason, they can be stolen away, maybe false beliefs or can be lots of different things, and all of a sudden they'll find themselves quite lost and deceived. And the third way is that sometimes people just wander off. Uh, no, no, no one sets out to, to say, okay, well, I'm going to go get lost this year. You know, it just happens, right? It happens. Lost sheep don't set out to say, I'm going to go get lost. It happens, right? And before you know it, some people are lost. And if, if I... If, for us in the, uh, um, here today, I'm sure we can think of maybe some people like this, 
maybe in one of these categories. Perhaps maybe that's been you recently, I don't know. But very similar. People and sheep are very similar. And then when a sheep gets lost, I was reading that it, after a while it, so it bleats, it makes lots and lots of noise, wanting someone to come and find it. And then after a while it kind of gives up and it lies underneath a bush and will just be very quiet and lies there, doesn't make a sound. Even so much so when the shepherd, or the farmer, but in this case the shepherd, will be right by the bush trying to find it, it still won't make a noise. It's lost, and it gets immobilized and doesn't know what to do. Again, I think that's often a very similar picture to people in many ways. And so as we look at this here, I'd like us to do something a little different this morning. Um, I'm going to do what we, we do in China, okay? So you're going to need a Bible, so if you've got a Bible, and I'd like next to the person next to you, I'm going to get you to get some engagement going in a minute, okay? I want you to look at this passage, and I want you to ask each other, what does this passage teach us about Jesus? Now, Jesus is the shepherd, okay? What do we learn about Jesus from this passage, Okay, so can I give you a couple of minutes to do that? Talk to each other, and then I'd like to hear some feedback. Okay, so you might not be used to this, but turn to the person next to you, and in this parable, what do we learn about Jesus as the shepherd here? Okay, be brave, share your thoughts with each other. What does this passage teach us about Jesus as the shepherd? What do we learn? Okay, now I'd like some people to yell out, so you're going to need to be brave, yell out, what do we learn about Jesus from this passage? Okay, can someone yell some things out? Yeah. He likes lost sheep, he does, he likes lost sheep, that's a good one, yeah. What else? Uh-huh, he carries us when he finds us, good, yes. Yep, cheers the joy finding, yes, a great rejoicing when, when he finds us. Cheers about everyone, yes, that's good. He doesn't give up, yeah, that's good, yeah, he doesn't give up, great. He's confident, yeah, interesting thought, confident leaving the 99 to go look for the one, yes. Sheep are happiest in flocks, yeah, that's an interesting thought. <laughs> Says the church pastor. <laughs> 
<laughs> nice. <laughs> but it's true. Happiest in flocks. Very true. Yes, we're not meant to be on our own. Sorry? He cares for the lost. Yes. Yep. Yeah, good thoughts. These are all, all, all very good, all very true. So this gives us a picture about what Jesus is like as a shepherd. Now, in Eastern contexts, often the shepherd would know the sheep by name. And we see that in John 10, verse 3. He says, he calls his own sheep by name and leads them out. And again, just doing a bit more reading, I read of a guy who went to Greece, and he was thinking about this, and he saw the shepherd on the side of the road. And he, so he went up to them and he said, is it true that you know your sheep by name? He said, yeah, it's true, I'll show you. And he called out to the flock, a name of a sheep, and the sheep poked its head up and came wandering over. I thought, oh, wow, that's amazing. So it's not, not like, obviously, like in New Zealand. And then he said, uh, yeah, and then he said, and if you were to blindfold me and you were to bring a sheep and I f- could feel the sheep's face, I'd know which sheep it was. I thought, wow, isn't that amazing? So there's this real intimacy between the shepherd and the sheep, which is what we see about Jesus here. When the sheep cross rivers, often the the shepherd would go first, and the more mature sheep, so the ones who know the shepherd, would follow in behind the shepherd. The the sheep who didn't really know the shepherd as well, they would hang back, but eventually they would come. And then if a sheep got into the water and got swept downstream, the shepherd would dive in and go chasing it. I think the the desire to make sure that it was safe. We see that Jesus, he's the gate. And the the picture of the sheep pen, the sheep inside it, and he himself is the gate, the physical gate, to stop wolves and people getting in. So this idea of the sheep and the shepherd is very, very important. And um, often in our urban situations, we don't always fully understand that. Recently, I was doing some uh, training up in the mountains, and I'll show you some pictures soon of of that, of, of some people being baptized. And we were studying Jesus as the good shepherd. And these all, all these guys were shepherds, so they understood fully what that meant. And we were talking about the thief coming to steal, talking about the, the hired worker coming to steal. And their concepts, they could grasp it very, very clearly. And I thought, what a powerful concept, what a powerful uh, thought for these guys that they could uh, understand. Now, I'll ask you a question, see if you can get this. We were looking at uh, doing a Bible study, we call it a discovery Bible study, where we discuss, so it's not so much I tell people what to believe, but they discuss it, and they allow God to speak to them. Now, when it came to the thief coming to steal and destroy, this is in China, um, who do we often think about when we think of the thief? Satan, Often that's, that's often our thought. Um, who do you think that these folks in China, these sh- these rural people, thought the thief was the government. Yeah, interesting. That's straight away who they thought the thief was. The police coming to steal away their church, coming to steal away their spiritual life. I thought very interesting concept um, there. So Jesus is at work in people's lives around us, and. Um, Part of our job is to get out there with Jesus and find these lost people. Just recently, um, we had an older guy um, who came to the Lord about a year ago, um, again, way up in the mountains of China, and he got, uh, became very sick. His sons took him to the hospital, and slowly his health deteriorated, and before long, he found himself in a coma. Um, 
So first of all, he couldn't, he stopped speaking, he stopped eating, the next minute he was in a coma. And the doctor said, there's nothing we can do for him, you need to take him home to die. So the sons took him back to the village where he just lay there. And uh, he'd been like that for about a week. Anyway, I got a phone call, um, and uh, my, my Chinese co-worker said to me, look, they want me to come and pray for him, but he's not baptized, what do we do? Now, you can't baptize a person in a coma, right? That's a little, little tricky, you can't do that. But for the folks there, baptism, and baptism is important, but we know it's the heart response to Jesus that matters. But for those folks, not being baptized was a big deal. So I said, what are we going to do? So I said, look, just grab a bit of water, just kind of splash it on him, throw him at him, and pray. Um, we know the water doesn't do anything, but at least that might give confidence to some folks around. And just pray for him and trust him into God's hands. Well, a couple of days later, my coworker got this call saying, the guy's woken up. And now he's asking for food and he's starting to speak again. And so now the gospel is starting to spread right around this area, particularly amongst government people, because his sons work for the government. And if you work for the government, you're not allowed to be a Christian. Okay, so it's a really powerful way of we're seeing the gospel move in very dramatic ways amongst these people who have never heard the gospel. So last year, um, about a year ago, we began a church planning project down in the southwest of China, and there were no believers, and now we have 20 villages with the beginnings of churches in them. So we've seen about 120 people come to faith. And, um, so what, and what we're doing is we're doing a slightly different approach. Is we're, we're not doing no individual evangelism, so you're not allowed to lead individuals to Christ. Okay? Only allowed to lead families to Christ. Okay, does that make sense? No. <laughs> so in New Zealand, we're very big on one-on-one -on -one evangelism. Okay, and that's okay, but if you look in the Bible, you don't really see it. That's the problem. You see, in the book of Acts, you mainly only see households that come to know Jesus. Right? Lydia and her household. Cornelius and his household. Who else? Philippian jailer and his household. Now, leading individuals to the Lord is not wrong. I mean, that's probably how most of us came to faith. But when we want to see like hundreds and hundreds or thousands of churches planted, we need to be able to lead a group of people to the Lord and then from that group start the church. And so what to do that, what we need to do is we need to find people of peace that's talked about in Luke chapter 10. Jesus said that there are these particular people out there and they'll be all around us in Hamilton that God is at work in. And our job is to find them. And once we find them, these people will be influential in their family and friends, and a group of people can come to know Christ. But it just requires changing our thinking a bit. So I'd like to show some photos of just recently. There was a baptism. So this is from these folks. So you can see that there. So that's up in the mountains in a very cold river. Uh, that's my co-worker on the left, the guy in the white shirt. And each of those guys represent a village. So there's one, two, three, four, five, just in this part, there's six villages. And so they were baptized uh, just recently, and then they will go home, and they will baptize the rest of their, the people in their little church. So from very uh, early on, we try to get people baptizing one another. So these guys are only about six months old in the Lord. Okay. So there's just a few of them uh, 
So remember, they've never seen, they don't know what a baptism is, never seen anything about this. These folks had never heard of Jesus a year ago. So it's all very, uh, very new and exciting. And I'll put a plug in for baptism. Um, we don't really consider anyone a serious follower in China until you've been baptized. Um, so now, yes, God has done something in the heart, but baptism shows a shift of allegiance from no longer following your own ways to now submitting to, to God's rule in your life. So I want to put a plug out there. If you haven't been baptized, it's an important step. It's not an optional thing. It's a command. And so we take it really seriously. And we only look at a church starting once people have got baptized. So, yeah, good. So that water's very, very cold, by the way. <laughs> no heated pool. Great, thank you. Good. So that's exciting. That's that's neat to see God at work. Uh, God at work doing that. Recently, I was with these guys, and um, we were doing a Bible study, like I said before. And I realized that there were four generations of believers sitting in the same room at the same time. So there was me, the guy with the white shirt I led to the Lord early on in the peace. He'd led another guy to the Lord who in a turn had led all these guys to the Lord. And this week, they will be leading others to the Lord. And I think, isn't it exciting that here we were uh, 21 years ago when we first left here, we would never have any idea what God would have done. Um, during our time in China, we have seen uh, hundreds of churches planted, literally. And a lot of that is because of the support and the prayer that gets in behind that. So it's not just the missionaries overseas doing their thing, but it's the church that supports and prays and gets in behind us. So in Hamilton, there are many people crying out to be found, many, many people. And um, what re it's what's required is for us to open our eyes to try to see see, see the state of people. Um, we, don't, we don't need to be salesmen for Jesus. It's not about needing to get the gospel in every single time you open your mouth. I mean, I used to do that all the time. Um, uh, I don't know whether they still do it. I used to be one of the guys down in Garden Place on his stepladder. That was me about, uh, I don't know, 25 years ago. And I used to be down there with my sketchboard, sketching away. Now, there's nothing wrong with that, but there's more effective ways. And... Um, I want to encourage you, be naturally spiritual with the people in your world. Be, be contagiously spiritual, or spiritually contagious, I'm not sure, whatever. But be someone who is, who is attractive spiritually. Uh, I was teaching English as part of my visa amongst a Muslim community um, three years or so ago. And there was a lady who was one of my students, um, and she said to me one day something really interesting. So there was just three of us in this little company. And she said to me, um, now, out of the three of you, you love Jesus the most. And I was like, uh, no, I think we probably all love Jesus about the same, I think. She said, no, it's you. You love Jesus the most. And I said, oh, why do you say that? Well, she said, because you talk about him the most. She said, it's you, and then it's you, and then it's this person. <laughs> I thought, what a fascinating insight, right? No, I don't know, you know. I don't think it's true, I mean. But the, the point for her 
It was if you're talking about Jesus, if you're making him known, if you're bringing Jesus into real life situations, that it's, it will speak. And in fact, this lady ended up coming to the Lord. And a big reason was is because she had real marriage problems. And I used to talk about um, just how Jesus was important to Vicky and I in our marriage relationship and in our parenting. And she had this thought in her mind was like, wow, that is so different than Islam, so different than my experience. Uh, my understanding of God is not like that. And so that was a very influential thing for her. And so um, as you'll find on Wednesday night, if you come along and listen about how to reach out to Muslims, I'll be talking about some of that. But for this morning, um, this week, as you look to hear, um, in your workplace, try to be naturally spiritual. Uh, bring God into situations. And those who are really looking, um, Bible calls these people of peace, who are looking and asking questions, they will be drawn to you. Yeah, does that make sense? Good. Okay. So, finish up by saying thank you so much for your prayer and your support. Uh, it really does mean a lot to us. And um, if you're ever passing through Hong Kong or you're thinking about going to China, please get hold of me. We always love to see visitors. And uh, there's plenty of work to be done in that part of the world. So, um, God bless you. Thank you for um, your support and your encouragement. It really means a lot to us. God bless you. Exciting, eh? Isn't it great what's happening? I just think it's a, it's a huge privilege to be part of what God's doing around the planet. I tell you, I feel incredibly challenged over recent months about sharing the gospel here in Hamilton um, and starting faith conversations with people wherever I am and um, you know it's it, uh, you can find excuses not to do it but at the end of the day really it's about courage and stepping out there and you don't have to preach the whole gospel but you can start a spiritual conversation with someone very very easily and um, I had a real bad run I was away for a week the week before I went away everyone I started a conversation with was a Christian but I thought, oh, well, at least I started conversations. And um, so, you know, I've, I have these in my pocket everywhere I go. Little invitation card to church. We've got these. We're just getting a whole lot more done for you at the moment with a new web address on it. It's very easy to be able to. I was at uh, Starbucks the other day, and the guy tried to talk me into something, coffee card. I said, well, I'll take yours if you take mine. <laughs> and uh, it's very, very easy. It's not difficult. And, um, you know, we can all do that wherever, whenever, be like Jesus. Um, it's not about getting in front of people's faces, but we do carry the hope of the world. You know, Jesus is the hope of the world. He's not someone to be ashamed about, not someone to hide away. He is the hope of the world, and we can so easily introduce him into a conversation. Very, very easy when you're uh, being served petrol at the petrol station or uh, buying your groceries at the supermarket to just reach across the counter and ask the person, what, what church do you go to? They go, I don't most of the time. Unless you were the week before last, they all said they did. But most of the time they say, I don't. They go, oh, you should come to church. It's awesome. It's fantastic. Just like that, you've got a conversation open. You can do it. I can do it. Imagine the difference it makes in the city. Grant's doing it in China, for goodness sake. It's a global thing. It works. If you want to jump up on your feet, I'd love to pray for you. Thank you for your giving, your purpose giving. 
enabling us to do what we do. Very, very exciting. Some great things happening. I encourage you to give as you go, just on the left-hand side as you go outside the doors or the the, um, the brown things in front of the doors, whatever they're called. That's great. And if you're visiting with us today, if it's your first or second time, make sure you grab a bag down the back as you go out. We'd love to get to know you a bit more. And if there's anything we can do to help you, that would be great. Well, Father, I thank you that we can get together today in the name of Jesus. I thank you that you're the reason, and that's all the reason we need. And I thank you that each one of us has been commissioned by you to be a light in this world. Together we become a city on a hill, offering hope. And the hope's name is Jesus. And so, Father, I ask that you would encourage us, fill us full of courage. So when the opportunities present, and even when they don't, we can be quick to have you on our lips. We can be quick to offer a hand. We can be quick that wherever we are and whenever we're there, we can be like Jesus. So I declare your blessing over your church as we go into our weeks, wherever it is this week. Father, I declare good health. I declare great relationships. And I declare courage in Jesus' name. Amen. Thank you for coming out today. Have a great day. Why don't you go and have lunch with someone? Chicken coleslaw buns, easy. Have a good day.